The final round of the 2023 Mountain Bike Downhill World Cup is upon us, so this is your Maxxis Tyres pre-race show for Monson Anne with Chris Kilmurray. Maxxis is synonymous with racing and is the name that comes to mind when you think of performance. It's no surprise then that they've won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup racing. No matter where or how you ride, Maxxis has the tyres for you with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. On my enduro bike, I'm running the DHR2 Max Terra Double Down on the rear, paired up with the Asagai Max Grip up front with their slightly lighter XO Plus casing. On the downhill bike, I've gone for DHR2 front and rear, both in the DH casing and both with their super grippy Max Grip compound. Both of those setups are working awesome for me, but check out the range and see what's going to be good for you. You can check out the entire range of Maxxis tyres over at maxis.com and find the tyres at your local Maxxis dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Maxxis Bike. All right, it's time to check in with Chris Kilmurray to find out what to expect this weekend. What are the demands of the Monson and track? Is the cold going to impact the riders? Is it going to snow? And plenty more. So without further ado, here's your Maxxis Tyres pre-race show for the 2023 Downhill World Cup Finals in Monson Anne. Chris Kilmurray, welcome back. Uh, fresh off some travel, I'm guessing, from a pretty insane weekend in Snowshoe. Yeah, it couldn't be any more fresh off the travel. I think uh, midnight arrival at Mont Saint Anne last night. Uh, seven hours sleep, and here we are. Amazing! What a, what a race that was, though. Hey, like across the board, it was a pretty exciting weekend in snowshoe. Yeah, in, insane weekend in snowshoe. I got <laughs> I got half of FMD annoying me in the background. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, in like as per standard standard snowshoe weekend. Like what? What? Whatever do we expect? That was no show, only that, only drama, you know. So the women's racing was really exciting. The top, uh, the top three separated by point six. Tani in fourth, two point six back. Um, Glorious Carzi with another podium, and then obviously the men's racing is kind of a unprecedented. You couldn't have written it. You couldn't have bet on it. it. It wouldn't have even been in the bookies to bet on. I think you know an Irish one too with O'Sheen and Ronan. So yeah, and Dakota on the podium. Two junior men, first and second, two Americans at home on the podium the day before. The whole thing is just, there you go. Yeah, as an, as an Irish rider yourself, like pretty exciting to see those boys kind of backing up what they've always, I guess, had in the tank. It's just never quite come to fruition. So super excited to see those two boys execute. Yeah, like honestly, I suppose Ronan's, you know, if you talk about Ronan first, he's just... He's been known as the wild practice guy the last couple of seasons as he's as he's matured a little bit, definitely got stronger. His uh, approach to riding has become more more possible <laughs> as he's able to take the big hits and impacts. Um, and he got his first podium last year in snowshoe, backed it up on another podium again this year in snowshoe. And he's been just getting a little bit more consistent. And even talking to him after the race, he was saying he's starting to figure out what his pace is that's good enough to, you know, to be near the front end of the field. So he's starting to get a feel for that now, which is amazing. And then obviously Ushin, um, junior world champ 2020 uh, kind of like Reese, a lot of people and Camille Ballanche a lot of people were like oh yeah mud race COVID no 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 but Reese came good afterwards you know winning world cups and being one of the top dogs most certainly Camille did and now Oshin's back again there you go and he, he's had a, a tough time I think the last 18 months or so with little small injuries and setbacks and everything else and regardless of whether you're one time or two time junior world champ the transition to elites is never straightforward it's your own journey you know, and it's it's not really look. It's not taking Ushin much longer than it's taken Valley Hull to to win a race, basically. So obviously, Valley Valley's won a lot more now, 
but um, yeah it's cool to see and it? it's just amazing to see young guys and then obviously two Irish riders I, as an Irishman myself I just hope it definitely inspires a, a young generation to realise that regardless of the terrain regardless of the the depth of riders the population everything else anything's possible if you work hard enough 100% yeah and worth it just to see their reaction on that podium shot on the live feed was uh, absolutely hilarious and it will uh, stay in my mind for a long time so yeah congratulations there so yeah women's overall wrapped up by Valley but we got a strong battle for second still hey between Marina and Nina yeah Marina and Nina are definitely going to go at it for a second in the overall um, Monica is probably comfortable in, in third uh, Cami fourth not here Tani fifth uh, Tani needs uh, a fifth or better in finals to leap over Cami and get a top five overall which would be a nice one for Tani in the series and I think well anything's possible because unlike previous years where we've accumulated qualifying and finals points and they were all attributed to finals for this year we've got qualities we've got semis but you only get points for finals and you only get finals points they don't roll over from qualities or semis so there's less points to get but they're all available only in finals so you need to make finals if you're in, in if you want any sort of prizes at the end of this week you need to be in finals interesting yeah so i'm guessing it's gonna to some extent certainly those that are in the hunt it's gonna impact a little bit the way people ride um and i guess no one more so than loic bruni right he's uh in an interesting position going in especially considering the way he ended the race this weekend yeah like what do you do you know you need to you need to ride fast in qualities and finals even though Loic's protected the whole way through to finals um, or maybe he's not maybe he's top three from the overall last year only he's not protected through semis I need to I need to double double check um, I'm pretty sure it's top three only from the year before that are protected the whole way through Um but anyway, regardless, I think it is a little bit of a, a tactics game and an overall weak strategy game going on going on in your head in that you need the runs. If your competitors are getting those fast runs and qualities and semis, they're going to be in a better place for finals than you will be if you sit back and chill in qualities and semis for the sake of being protected and risking it all in finals. So I don't think anyone's... Well, yes, people will you know, wind it down a couple of percentage points, maybe like Valley did in finals in Snowshoe, just, just enough to you know, just enough to to secure whatever you're trying to secure. Uh, but like we saw with Valley and Snowshoe, it's it's quite hard to know the difference between, you know, flat out winning races and not, you know what I mean? And Valley probably was kind of advantages she was able to create in, in qualities and semis. You know, she might have thought that she could wind it down a couple of a couple of clicks and still win the race, which she definitely didn't do. Um, and obviously Marine's time in Snowshoe was, you know, as good if not better than what Valley's semis time would have been without a crash. It was pretty... The sector times were better and it was close. So playing that game of like, you know, I'll do a bit here and a bit there, it's 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 pretty challenging. It's not like it, the sport was, you know, 15 or 20 years ago when Greg Menard and Steve Heat were pulling over in qualities of world champs. This is, it's World Cup racing. You've got a deep field. You need, anything can happen in finals. You need to know where you're putting your wheels at speed under duress and racing. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be super interesting to see how people approach qualities and semis for sure. Definitely. And what about Loic? Like physically, he said he was fairly beaten up from that crash. Like his back was pretty sore. I think it was, I mean, it could have been worse, but it looked like a pretty nasty crash. Like what, as an athlete, what are they doing throughout this week now to try and put themselves in the best possible chance of feeling good on the bike again once the practice kicks off? Yeah, unfortunately for Loic, I don't think there's any private jets available to get from uh, 
direct from Snowshoe to, to Mont Saint-Anne. Uh, so he would have had to endure the, um, the four-hour drive down to Washington like most of us. And then whatever flight up to Montreal and Quebec. And uh, the drive, the three or four-hour drive then across. So it's uh, yeah, not so, not so easy, I don't think. I think no matter what, his body's going to be in a, in a stiff and sore place today. So physio treatment, recovery focused, you know, small training sessions, that sort of thing throughout the week and just kind of throwing everything at it to feel a little bit more human by the time he gets on the bike on Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk us through the MSA track then. It's a, it's a long one here and a track that we've been coming to for many years. The best of the best. The classic, like the the quintessential eponymous. I don't know what the the fancy word we can use for it is, but it's it's the longest running track we've had across World Champs and World Cups. I think this is probably our twenty seventh visit, maybe. Could be that much. I think so off the top of my head. We had the twenty fifth a few years ago here, like the twenty fifth anniversary or whatever. Obviously, we, we missed COVID year and twenty twenty one due to COVID again. Um, otherwise, we'd be cracking thirty odd races here. But the track, it's long. The hill has kind of got a steady gradient, not super steep. It's got all these classic features like Lidal at the bottom, the Stevie Smith drop in the middle with the, the high-speed sections under the lift that connect the top and the bottom of the, the kind of the Stevie Smith section, let's call it. And last year, obviously, we added um, a new but previously used far section in um, Sector 3, let's call it, kind of, you know, a third of the way down the hill. Previously, we had that super high-speed ski piste, ski field section where we would have seen clips of Brooke McDonald cracking 80 kilometers an hour you know, sliding around on gravel. That pre- last year was gone, as far as I'm aware, is gone again this year. So we've got, we're back in the woods. It's a lot more tech. It adds a couple of seconds to the track. It just really completes the track, this new wood section that we got last year. Really just makes it like a, a rider's challenge the whole way down. And, you know, we've got the, we used to have the famous Wavy Starkate. Apparently the Wavy Starkate's gone now. And I have seen some some footage and some pictures uh, on the internet of the the course crew, Velo Solutions Canada, doing doing some big work, you know, redoing berms and rock gardens and cleaning it up. And like, it's a crazy track. There's some kind of semi-man-made rock gardens, bits and bobs, like put kind of pieced together further up the hill. There's all the classic high-speed sections, you know, right near the start, uh, where there is actually quite a bit of time to be won and lost. And sometimes races have been won and lost by just doing a poor job up the top of the hill, like Tani at World Champs in 2019. You know, made a couple of mistakes at the top of the hill and lost the race by 1.4 to Miriam in the end. So there's, there's time to be made everywhere. It's got some of the most classic features. It's long. It's pretty flat, especially as we get near the bottom. It starts to really flatten off. Like we saw with Finn last year when he broke his chain ring. Uh, he had to pump his way to the victory. Um, so you need to be able to pedal at the bottom. You need to be able to tuck. You need to know how to generate and maintain, well, generate speed, maintain momentum. It's, yeah, it's, as racetracks go, it's it's on the longer side of, of the modern stuff and no one cares because it's as good as it is, you know. Yeah, and physically challenging track? Yeah, I think it's physically challenging, but, you know, snowshoe, let's say, is physically challenging because the legs are squatting and pumping the whole way down and the arms are getting pummeled by just constant impacts off the rocks. So there's like high-speed impacts, there's chattery impacts. So there's a lot of talk of, of, you know, local fatigue in the arms and the legs throughout the weekend from the men and the women last week. Whereas this week, yeah, it's long, it's super physical, but it's quite varied. You have time to be in different positions, you know, it demands different positions in the high-speed sections. There's not the constant chatter, the constant impacts. It's not like knife-edge, loose, and short like Lenserheide. So, yeah, it's definitely physical, and it requires big physical effort and requires a good level of fitness to do well. But it's not, like, vicious, let's say. It's it's not relentless. It's relentless in a, in a manageable way, let's say. 
Okay. And it's physical because it's because of its duration, not because of its intensity. Let's say. Yeah. And what about bike setup here? Is there a lot of puzzling to be going on, or is it sort of if you were in a good spot in snowshoe, you're probably still in a sort of similarly good spot? Yeah, I think people might slow the bike down again a touch here, just because it's not the constant, you know, not, not the constant impacts of of different kind of amplitude like you have in snowshoe, where you're trying to keep the bike sat up on top of the rocks to skim across and give your give yourself the best predictability and the best chance of just maintaining speed across the rocks, which is crucial in snowshoe. Here it's a bit different, so I think a lot of people will go back to whatever kind of stock base settings they have, and work from there. And it's not super steep, so front ends won't be getting higher, you know, fork pressures spring rates that sort of thing may or may not change depending on how people feel the impacts and depending on how much maintenance has been done uh, you definitely need the bike to to you know maintain its its balance in Lidal and the big rock sections near the bottom but other than that it's not yeah it's not a mega challenging one you know it's and good riding really makes it you feel good here i think there's enough room for you know good riding to make the bike feel good if that makes sense yeah, it definitely does. And where are we at on weather? Like there was a lot of speculation about this weekend. It's it's late in the year for being in the big hills. Um, we're into October now. What's the forecast looking like for the week? I've, uh, from what I've seen, we're not we're not going to be covered in snow. No, definitely not. It looks it's cold in the mornings at the moment. Probably like ten Celsius in the mornings, but it looks like it's going to get up to like mid twenties during the week. Um, so yeah, super good. I think the guy in the restaurant we ate in last night, you know, an hour or so from here said uh indian summer our second summer is currently happening so that's bodes well um currently the trees are all um pink orange and, and red it looks beautiful out there the sky is blue sun's forecast for most of the week so it's good and then it looks like the classic um the night before qualifying there's going to be some rain probably quite a lot it looks like on the forecast which is actually not a bad thing montanan runs well in the rain and they've been saying it's been dry here for a number of weeks, so the track will probably actually be pretty loose. So rain will definitely do it some good. Just depends how much. And then previously, the forecast for race day looked shocking, like a, a micro hurricane was coming through. <laughs> but now it's looking better again. So I think if it's if it does rain quite a lot on you know a Thursday night, Friday morning, or even through Friday for qualifying, kind of so be it. The track will definitely you know come good for race day if we get some sun. Um, and all we ask for really is kind of consistent conditions. But as we saw in 2017 here with, with Aaron Gwynn, anything's possible, even in the wet. And luckily, yeah, the rocks are relatively grippy in the wet. There's good room to change lines up to get a little bit more direct. So you're not you know traversing across rocks at, a, at an angle. Uh, and most of the dirt in the track work quite well in, in, the, in the wet. And the only kind of stickler change up for that is that, you know, when Gwynny won here in 2017 in the wet, he had that high speed fire road ski piece kind of gravel section now we have that long wood section instead so if it's wet that long wood section definitely won't be as manageable as the high speed fire road was you know so or ski yeah. piece whatever it was yeah. so yeah there's definitely i think tbc but for now considering the time of the year considering how far north north we are latitude wise um it's extremely good no complaints we'll be out good. having barbecues in the sunshine this afternoon i think <laughs> good stuff so those cold mornings like have any impact like we have techniques i guess for riders when it's hot like you see people wearing ice vests and things like that if people are heading up for practice first thing in the morning and it's like you know eight ten degrees or whatever is anyone doing anything other than just a regular warm-up i guess to to deal with that and we're not in the realms of like uh that cold during race day so i'm guessing things like tire warmers and stuff are, are irrelevant but yeah i think you know, depending on your your 
your tire supplier you may have options for the you know the softest compounds that work best in the cold weather uh, unfortunately for the the elite women and some of the juniors they're just used to getting the uh the shitty end of the stick let's call it let's be totally honest you know they're constantly practicing at 8 8 a.m or 8 30 a.m on, on the new world cup schedule throughout their careers you know i think here it, it'll definitely be cool in the mornings we may get an inversion where it's warmer at the top of the hill than at the bottom uh, early in the morning at 8 30 like that um but everyone who's in group b practice is used to those sorts of conditions because often in the alps early in the season like june um and definitely places like lourdes and stuff super early in the year in, in march or april they get ice cold conditions in the morning so i think by the time practice starts here it might be you know just north of 10 celsius which isn't isn't too bad and everyone will just be mindful that bikes and bikes bodies and tires especially are a little bit a little bit more rigid than necessary but there is small management strategies people use you know um decent warm-up for the riders like they always do but maybe just a touch more on the aerobic side of things just getting a bit of heat into the body um having staff around you know with jackets hats that sort of thing for riding the lift luckily it's a gondola here so you don't get cold sitting in a chairlift like snowshoe um and the track is super long here so there is there is scope to you know just kind of work with staff or talk to yourself as a rider and say look yeah like the bike's going to feel a bit crap in in section one the first kind of minute and a half of trail the bike's going to feel a bit shitty and beyond that we'll um the bike will kind of come come good in the woods you know uh, so fingers crossed that's kind of how it's going to work it's not going to be any colder than 10 10 or 12 in the mornings because i think once you get down to single digits and low single digits that's when it genuinely starts to cause issues especially with tires regardless of brands i think it just rubber just doesn't like three celsius i don't know what you know f1 or MotoGP would do if they were out trying to make tires and bikes work in four degrees they just wouldn't bother probably <laughs> yeah they'd stay in bed i think what um what about the venue itself like we're back to the normal layout so pits at the bottom of the hill like how is montanana as a place to be for like riders and stuff is it pretty pretty easy groundhog day have you ever seen that movie <laughs> yeah i mean I've, i'm sitting currently in in the the sitting room lounge area whatever you want to call it of the same house i've been in for about seven years on the trot <laughs> the same street the same house the same couch the same pits, the same white tent where everyone rents, the same lift that might or might not fall off the cable, um, <laughs> the same track, <laughs> the same shop, the same dinner. Uh, so it's definitely yeah, groundhog. It's one of the well, it's one of these World Cup venues we've been to so many times, like Leo Gang, like Valdesoli, You know, it's um, it's definitely Groundhog Day, but it's cool. That we're we're here in one of the streets where a lot of the teams rent houses for the week, so you get this little kind of team atmosphere, festival kind of vibe on the street. You know, back in the day there was a lot of like. Uh, mischief with bb guns and motorbikes and whatever else you know it's a lot of depending on the year depending on how friendly the teams were that rented the house across the street from each other and you know it's it's kind of it's kind of a good atmosphere a good week depending on the race as well i remember world champs 2019 here was quite good because we have the we had the extra day back then so it was a bit more relaxed you know but venue wise it's it's a known quantity the vast majority of teams and riders know it inside out they know where the shops are they know where the pits are they know what the logistics are to get staff and riders to and from the pits most riders can ride you know a trail bike or an xc bike to and from the pits every day it's just straightforward you know the the finish line you roll down to the pits you have a pedal across to the gondola there's a few logistic bits and bobs which are less than ideal but not many and you know you warm up at the top you finish at the bottom it's just a classic venue classic track classic layout it's there's no big commute like fort william or andorra in the morning so i think everything's just everything's easy and everyone knows what they're up against yeah, and Monsonan is is uh, known for having a pretty good after party, I believe. And uh, last last round of the year, I'm guessing it it might be uh, pretty rowdy come Sunday night, Saturday night. 
Yeah, it seems that uh, the locals, Beaupre, is the big town near here, and then Quebec City's not too far away. So anyone from the, the locality, it seems, just kind of likes any of the, the, the more interesting little events and festivals that come to town. So um, I know a few people who live here, actually, or who are from here. And uh, it's like, yeah, I'm not sure what it's going to be like this time of the year, but midsummer, usually the Montsinan World Cup's like one of their features on the calendar to go and get loose for the summer. So I think, yeah, the, we'll most of the, the teams and riders, depending on results, I suppose, will definitely be getting out there and getting after it come Saturday night, much to the cross-country riders' disdain. But <laughs> it's definitely one of the best. We'll have some, normally we have some sort of Quebec, uh, Quebecois French rap group on the stage and the lyrics are usually about drinking maple syrup and skiing, so. <laughs> <laughs> Random spot. And um, you mentioned the track super long. Does that have an impact for you as like a trackside member of staff during the weekend? Like, is it harder to cover everything you need to cover? Yeah, it's it's. A, I've actually been thinking about it and it's, I have it on my notes this week to discuss with the rest of the staff, riders, um and everything else here at FMD, just trying to figure out the logistics of that because it's a long hill. The the turnaround can be quite long because there can be, you know, depending on how many entries you have, there can be quite a, a queue at the, quite a long line at the gondola, quite a queue. Um, depending on how many people, because the bike park is usually open as well. So there'll, there'll be two, there'll be two lines, you know, one for riders, one for, one for World Cup riders. So there's, there's lots of logistical bits and bobs to work on. There's some distinct sections in the track. There's some large kind of portions where not much happens you know, analysis-wise between those distinct sections. It's not the easiest hill to get around. Even if you have a bike, you have to kind of ride in the bushes or ride some pretty gnarly, sketchy trails. Anyone who's ridden a trail bike a Montanan knows how wild some of the trails are here. So yeah, logistically, it's a bit of a nightmare. And previously, I've kind of taken to running up from the bottom on foot if necessary, because it's actually quicker at times or riding some sort of a sketchy cross-country bike down the down the ski field from the top. So yeah, there's definitely a lot to think about in that regard. And there's probably, you know, a couple of sections in the track which are less kind of an- analyzed or less looked at, and you'll find less dad cams out there, but are actually quite important, especially for some riders. So in terms of getting all your analysis done and making sure that, you know, you're helping the riders maximize their, you know, strengths and minimize their weaknesses throughout a week, with the well, it's not limited time, but with the way the, the way the practice schedule goes, you need to be on it, you know, by qualies, and you've only got small window to change things up, major things up, come, you know, race morning for, and then just execute semis and finals. So there is always big scope to make to make some big margins, make some big jumps from say quality day to finals day. But you need to have seen everything and seen all the riders you need to see in those sections throughout the week. So I will be doing a lot of. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion I'll be doing a lot of running up and down the hill, which is what I did last year because it was the quickest way to do it. So, fit fit trackside staff is uh, going to be a help this weekend. Then one more. Th- yeah, thing I definitely. Before- I finished Montsinan feeling. Um, I always finish Montsinan feeling fitter than I started. I always think the walk <laughs> to and from the cycler, the walk to and from the accommodation, the running up and down the hill. Yeah. So and it's a big hill. Like uh, the track is the guts of three kilometers, two point seven kilometers or something. Uh, it's definitely one of the longer ones. Uh, elevation wise, it's. You know, it's that 500 meter mark. It's just above our, our average. It's just long, long and gentle. Yeah. One more thing before we wrap up. Um, it feels like we've had a pretty high rate of attrition this season. There seems to be quite a lot of fairly serious injury taking place. Mm. Do, would you share that view? 
I'm not sure I need to like honestly I'm I'm suppose I'm I'm data informed I'm not data driven I don't I'm not a slave to the data um but you know when you have enough data you can make some you can make some get some good insights and make some good conclusions from it um as long as you don't torture it too hard so I'm I'm definitely keen to if I ever find the time in the next 3 or 4 months to you know get the start lists and the entry lists from every event and just kind of work out how many we lost per event and how you know I'm going to think back as to who who we lost and where when and how um, it is look. It's it's a high attrition sport, you know. I think every, maybe people want to add, attribute blame to the new organisers or attribute blame to semi-finals, and maybe you know it, it is a role at times. But regardless, year in year out, it's a high attrition sport, you know. It's and you can just get so unlucky with a crash, you know, like Dean Lucas did last week and Amory Pierron did the in Lenzer Heide. You just have a, a high energy crash, which which is the key thing. I think is having energy. It's it's your mass having a high velocity. It's you know energy and you hit something that doesn't move and is very hard like a a rock or a tree and there's the big potential for you know for injuries and look at christian hauser last week he smacked the tree so hard and you know the 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 organizers had actually removed a pad from that tree because it was narrowing up the line and making the riding more difficult but then they ended up adding it back on after hauser got injured just because of you know just because of that crash you know and it's so variable it's so unpredictable as to how you and your bike are going to get ejected if you do get ejected it's so hard to manage these things so yeah we've we've definitely had a higher rate of attrition but we've also had some some freak you know odd ones like miriam's miriam's you know disappearance for the season is because of a a training crash not because of a racing related injury um cami balanche is the freakest of freak gusts the winds at you know the millisecond wrong time and you can you can debate the the causes and the uh, the organizational impacts of of decisions around that, but re- regardless, the cause of the crash was you know a gust of wind, and then there's been bad riding, fatigued riding, bad line choices. There's been a million and one you know causes of of injuries. So yeah, I think all I know is in my role as a coach, with the experience I have now, you know, with over ten years at the races and probably you know fourteen or thirteen years coaching elite level mountain bikers and world cup mountain bikers anything's possible injuries will happen that's it it's just yeah it's an acceptance like i i'm i always get the 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 notifications on the phone that roll in on a saturday afternoon you know not at a race during the off season or between races you get these notifications with a text message rolling in at an odd time of the day or night depending on the time zone you're like ah this is probably or so and so (laughs) rings me at this time of day like Reese Wilson did this year. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that, this person ringing me at this time without texting first or without, you know, having organized the call or whatever. I'm like, this, this is bad news. This is me having to look, look at an x-ray and find a doctor for someone or whatever else, you know? <laughs> so I think all I've learned in this sport is that anything is possible injury wise. You know, it is, it is brutal. Um, it, it is. Yeah. Because I think, because the ground, the terrain is just so unforgiving you know unlike motocross where you got you might have a big pile of dirt to land on but the energy in motocross is so high because the bike is heavy and you're going so fast that's how you get injured whereas us we can be going slow like benoit coulange last week going slow slip out put a hand down do a scaphoid the scaphoid bone is you know the size of a a 50 cent coin you know it's the size of a euro piece and it's it's finished this season for him so yeah unfortunately that's mountain biking yeah and i think snowshoe particularly high attrition due to the like the the uh, slippery nature of things but do you think that you know the reality of um the risk of getting injured in the sport will 
be playing pe- playing on people's minds this weekend, kind of wanting to come into the off-season healthy, or are they more likely to be willing to kind of let it go because they know they've got an off-season if they get injured to deal with that? Do you, how, do, how do you think people will be framing it? I think the only way you can frame it is that you, you know you ride your best when you're not you're not trying to game the system. I think really, you know what I mean? I think maybe Valley is in a different situation here where Valley has to make a clear choice between going out on a high, having a big win, you know, aiming for that, or just going out with a, a solid run that may or may not win or may or may not get whatever, you know, fourth or fifth on the podium. And um, because she's won the overall, she's been world champ. She's the first woman to do that since 2016 or whatever. You know, she's got a clear choice to make, but the majority of the other riders, you know, well, Pinkerton has wrapped up the overall too, but he won't be going slow. Uh, the majority of the other riders will it will just be in a scenario where the safest thing to do is just do what you always do because every, everyone's accepted the risk anyway that's just what you're here for you know yeah fair comment man well um this is the last pre-race show of the year which is uh seems crazy it's been a long and super exciting season and um we get a lot of feedback on these shows i know people really appreciate and enjoy your insight and it helps them get excited for a, a week of racing to come so yeah thanks man really appreciate you always finding time for these and uh hopping on and sharing some wisdom about about the sport that we all love so yeah thanks man i hope uh, hope you and all your athletes have a good weekend well thanks to you yeah for hosting it i think it, it always i always enjoy it too it always helps me organize my thoughts early in the week and I'm just a, well, I'm a fan like most people who work with the races anyway. You know, I love racing of any variety, especially racing bikes, anything with two wheels. So I just love it as well. And I think, yeah, we've definitely got, we've got some good feedback from it. And I've, I get a lot of good feedback at the races from fans and different people that, you know, pop up at, on the sidelines and say thanks or whatever, or say I listen to the podcast early in the week or whatever else. So I do, I, I enjoy it as well. So it's, it's definitely, it's good. And this season has been amazing. I think, you know, we might be getting ourselves eight, ma- eight races, eight male winners for sure. You know, Jackson Goldstone may turn things around and, and win the overall with a crazy race run here. Like anything is possible. Literally anything. Yeah. Loris Verge could sneak in and take it, you know. So it's been an exciting year and it's it's definitely going to go out in a high on a classic track. So definitely, can't complain. Man. Good stuff. All right, Chris. Have a good week, man. You too. Thank you. All right, that's it for this Max's Tyres pre-race show with Chris. I really hope you enjoyed this and all the pre-race shows this season. A massive thanks to Max's for supporting the season. Max's have incredible tyres for you no matter how or where you ride. So head over to maxis.com or visit your local Max's dealer and check them out. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow so you never miss an episode. Forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch. And forward slash EP if you'd like copies of our lovely print project, Downtime EP. If you want to help support the show, then you can set up a regular donation over at patreon.com forward slash downtimepodcast. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today. But until next time, get out and ride. (laughs)